0: that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I wanna be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out. Knocked out. Knocked so out. your only choice should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Care of Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders. We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show. Super excited to have my next guest here. We have Mark Farrell, who is the founder and CEO of 10 to 1 Rum. And if you have not tried 10 to 1 Rum, maybe you are not a rum drinker typically, you must try this. As I was just sharing with him, I've uh, made a few mixed cocktails over the last few weeks and uh, I have uh, some 20 plus year olds hanging out in my house as well who were wondering what it was so we all had a little bit of multiple days um, because the uh, the bottles are beautiful but also what's inside is really great and it's great to mix with all kinds of things or if you are a straight rum drinker I think that that would also work really well super quality product created by Prince Trinidadian. Trinidadian. Right? Yeah, yeah. Trinidadian. I love it. Born Mark Farrell. We don't get to meet many people from Trinidad. So this is uh, super, super fun. And as I mentioned, it's a premium product, award-winning blended rum from around the Caribbean. And I can't wait to hear all about his journey and building this really special company. So welcome, Mark. How are you?
1: Doing really well, thanks. Thanks so much for having me on.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so your story and deciding to start 10 to 1 Rum is is uh, very personal. Um, it, it's something that it sounds like you had been thinking about for a long time. And uh, you grew up in Trinidad and and sort of saw this market. So I'll stop there. And I'd love to hear from you. Like, what was it about rum in particular that you thought needed to be shifted and disrupted?
1: Yeah. Well, again, Karis, uh, thanks so much again for having me on and, and lovely to spend some time with you. Um, I think where you, where you began that is, is the perfect place for the story because it is one that is really personal. Uh, you know, I describe myself as somebody who is very proudly from the Caribbean, born and raised in Trinidad and Tobago. You know, I spent the first 16 years or so of my life there before moving to the U.S., uh, for college. And, and, and I've been in the U.S. for the, for the better part of the last 20 years or so. Um, and, you know, as somebody who's been in that market for a long time, you know, I, I, I've spent my entire adult life as a consumer here in the U.S. and, um, really kind of observed rum for a long time from a point of frustration. You know, um, um it's a, it's a, it's a spirit that is quite literally born out of the soil where we are from, uh, in Trinidad and the Caribbean. Uh, and it's one that I think has often been very misunderstood. Uh, not just in the U.S., but I think in many other markets internationally, where for a long time, the perception around rum uh, feels very narrow and somewhat limited. You know, I think people will typically associate it with some of their spring break cocktails, you know, um that one time they were in Cancun or, or what have you, uh, not realizing what an elevated and versatile spirit it can be in its own right. Uh, and I think also that, that related to that, some of the narrative around, um, around the category itself is maybe a little bit, again, a little bit problematic in some ways. I always say that, you know, um, pirates and plantations seems to have been the order of the day when it comes to rum for, for, for quite a long time now. And so somebody who, you know, uh, grew up in and around consumer my entire career. Um, has a very sort of, um, real, uh, a real sense of pride and passion for uh, the part of the world that I'm from. And I think just saw like a really unique opportunity to bring something to market, uh, and really, I think sort of build in an, an interesting and a unique commercial take on Rum, the natural intersection of all of those. Is what led me to create Ten to One, right? I think for us, we've talked from the beginning about this idea of of really reimagining the rum category and 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 challenging people's expectations. You know, I think about a dollar for everybody who, who mentioned to me they never thought that rum could taste like this, right? Or even the packaging would look like this or the brand would be built like this. I think really trying to reinvigorate the way that people will taste, experience and talk about rum has been very much a a personal undertaking of mine uh, uh, since the very early innings of
0: the brand. That's awesome. So how would you describe 10 to 1 rum then? Like how did you actually make it unique and different?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So, um, you know, one thing I like to tell folks is that this is not the story of a, a Trinidadian rum from a Trinidadian guy, right? W- one of my, um, one of my big beliefs was that, uh, we could lean into this idea of creating a pan Caribbean blend. Uh, and, and in doing so, you could actually bring different distillation methods, different provenance, different terroir to life and create a very unique and differentiated expression. Now, now, those are words you 're typically going to hear associated more with a, a a wine tasting or a scotch whiskey tasting right and and, and I, I maintain that actually they're just as applicable to rum uh, if not more so. Uh, if you look at sort of the, the the soil composition in Jamaica, for example, versus Trinidad, which is geologically part of South America. Are quite different. So the terroir um, that you're going to get from those two places is going to be very varied, using different distillation methods, pot distillation versus column distillation method, and even just some of the techniques that are tied to that. Um, if you have, I think, a, a substantive enough view of that, there's a certain level of romance that you can bring to this idea of creating these blends. And so with 10 to 1, what we were able to do, you know, uh, our aged expression, for example, is a blend from four countries, Trinidad, Barbados, Jamaica, and the Dominican Republic. You know, 8-year-old rum, it's Asian ex-bourbon barrels. I always kind of tell you, your bourbon and rye rye whiskey drinkers, there are a lot of resonant notes they're going to pick up in there um, as they kind of experience 10 to 1 for the first time. We very importantly... Um, another one of our big differentiators is we use no additives of any kind. Mm. So again, a lot of folks might be out there listening to this and saying, Oh, well, rum, you know, I, I, I used to like it, but I don't drink it. It's too sugary and too sweet. And like, like that is not the 10 to one experience. No added sugar, color, flavoring agents of any kind. Same number of calories per ounce as all well, you tequila and mezcal drinkers out there. And so I think for us, there's really kind of three core differentiators. The exceptional craft that's gone into the liquid and creating mm-hmm. these blends. A really, really versatile rum that you can use in a number of different ways. You were mentioning at the start, you know, trying a few different cocktail applications, drinking it, drinking it on its own. That versatility is a real calling card of the brand. And then, of course, exceptionally clean, which I think is something that today's modern consumer demands more and more of, as you would be well aware.
0: Definitely. So, where did the name come from?
1: Yeah, you know, the name. uh, I think the name, in many ways, is emblematic of the intention that's tied to the brand. Uh, the name 10 was inspired by the original Caribbean Federation, which mm-hmm. consisted of 10 countries. The idea of 10 quite literally becoming one. Uh, and as Trinidad's prime minister at the time famously said, Dr. Eric Williams, he said, uh, one from 10 leaves zero. Uh, he's a brilliant guy, pretty sure he was good at math. But the point that he was making was that if you remove one from the collective, the whole thing falls apart. And so we say that 10 to 1 as a brand is based on this idea of community strength in numbers, the idea that we are all stronger together than, than we are apart. That that is not a Trinidadian message or a Caribbean message, hopefully one just, that just feels very uh, timely and appropriate for lots of folks who might be encountering a product like 10 to 1 out there on the market today. Um, so, you know, for me, it was very important that um, we try to create something that in many ways felt very unique, very contemporary, very elevated, but was still grounded in uh, elements of Caribbean history, culture, and heritage. Right, and, and and the name is a great example of that. Right, if, if you if you had a bottle in front of you right now and you were, you were deconstructing it, even the logo, which is the the Scarlet Ibis, the National Bird of Trinidad and Tobago, or the side labels, which are riffs off of old shipping labels from the days of sugarcane making its way from the Caribbean through the ports of the Americas and onto Europe. I thought you could find ways to create something that felt very elegant, very elevated. You'd be proud to take it to your, your next cocktail party or dinner party or whatever the case is, but still has that grounding in Caribbean history, culture, and heritage.
0: I love it. Well, it's a uh, nice job on it. So it's it's really unique, and I love brand names that are historical, but also have some kind of meaning. And I find this all the time when uh, founders are creating things, whether it's uh, Hint or Yahoo or Google or you know any of these companies along the way uh, that I've come across that it's uh, there's a meaning to it. And I'm always so curious. And it's usually you got to go back to the founder and find that. But I think it's it's a lot of fun to get the history.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I appreciate that.
0: Lots of fun. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined Too, Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. So before founding 10 to one rum, you worked supporting other founders and, and building their brands, uh, like Howard Schultz at Starbucks, maybe not directly, uh, for these people, but I think it's fascinating that there's no one way to become an entrepreneur, uh, or, you know, it's, you could, uh, not go to college and start a company. You could uh, go to college, go to business school, start a company. You could also go work for uh, founders. I actually uh, worked for three founders prior to starting my own company. And while I was working there, never really thought I was actually going to become an entrepreneur. Uh, But then I decided, I've got this idea. I should really go do this. I'd love to hear what you think you learned from that experience of working for you know, incredible, an incredible brand, incredible founders that maybe gave you the courage to to go and, and do this, or maybe demystified, like, this isn't going to be that hard. Of course, it's a lot harder than we ever think it's going to be. But uh, I'm so curious, like how you feel like that experience and maybe other ones really helped you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, um, and it it helped me enormously. In fact, when I describe Starbucks to a lot of folks and and the experience with Howard, I describe it a little bit as a, as, as an entrepreneurial finishing school. Mm -hmm. And, And, and that might actually seem strange to some folks, right? Like, like what does, what does a Fortune 500 coffee company based in Seattle have to do with a emerging startup? Spirits brand, right? That's based out of, out of New York, right? I mean, on, on the face of it, maybe they don't have that much in common, but, but, but you began to, to allude to it. You know, there's something extraordinary and something magical about having an opportunity to work alongside uh, someone like a Howard Schultz. Uh, you know, you know, he was the one that brought me to the company. So I had kind of met him, uh, somewhat serendipitously back in 2015. Uh, and there were two things that actually struck me about him at the time. And I always say, you know, one was, um, he talked like an entrepreneur. Here's a guy you've seen on the cover of Forbes and Fortune and everything else. But, you know, he talks like a guy with five coffee shops, not 35,000, right? Um, and, and, and he had a very clear sense of purpose, you know? Um, and, and we all have different, um, purpose led sort of, um, um, sort of agendas in our own lives. Um, mine doesn't have to be the same as yours, but you can appreciate it when you find someone who has that. And he clearly had that sense of purpose. And it was, it was something I was very drawn to, very inspired by. Um, ultimately, you know, decided to kind of join him on that journey, moving, uh, you know, my, my New York life out to Seattle for a few years, uh, joining the executive team at Starbucks and, and working there, um, for about, about, about three years. So had an amazing seat at the table, um, had a chance to, 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 I think, um, absorb a lot from him. You know, I think, I think, I think sometimes you kind of feel like you have to, you imagine a world where, this person is giving you these hourly lectures or daily lectures and it doesn't quite happen like that, right? I think mean, a lot of the learning happens by osmosis. You know, you're, you're, in the room. You're part of the conversation. You see how they handle certain things. Um, and, and, and if I, if, if I sort of fast forward to 10 to one, what are some of those things that have, that have been, been, um, sort of applied here? One is that same sense of purpose. Um, You know, know, having a clear view of what you do and don't stand for as a brand, what you will and won't do. Um, I think figuring out ways to kind of scale that passion, that purpose into what becomes the the culture of your company um, uh, more broadly. I think a lot of those pieces, you you know, you think about how difficult it is for a company like Starbucks that is that is global. Um, You know, you're talking about 30,000, 40,000 different nodes all over the world who are kind of holding on to this piece of culture, much of which was created and propagated by Howard, uh, um, no matter where you sort of land, uh, you know, kind of in 100, 150 countries around the world today. Um, obviously, 10 to 1 is not nearly that size and that scale, but looking at some of the lessons that were learned there and trying to apply it to our business has certainly been huge. And then there are even things around the level of discipline, I think that you apply to, to creating a product. If I think about the story of 10 to one and creating a blend and having a certain level of intention around that and making sure that level of passion again is felt by everyone who's part of your team. Those are all things that I took from, 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 from that experience. So I could kind of give you a list of 25 things to be honest, but, but I think that's a nice short list of some of those pieces that, that, that did have a very indelible impact on me as an entrepreneur and then ultimately on 10 to one as a business as well.
0: I laugh in my early career I was at CNN and it was uh I started my career at Time Magazine and then I moved into CNN and CNN truly was a stop for me that uh I couldn't get a job at ABC or NBC it's like those were the networks that you wanted to work for not CNN and I got a job at uh CNN and Ted Turner primarily was working down in Atlanta, but he came into the New York office a lot and you would always hear him coming off of the elevator. Like, and he was, it. he was just a larger than life personality. Um, there's some quieter founders, right? I mean, Ted was not that guy mm-hmm. and he was funny. He was personable. He was like, the world needs 24 hour news. And you would just, this energy around him, you believed that even if you didn't believe prior to seeing him that morning, like you were like, I get it. I know everyone needs to have it. But the reality is, is like, it's only in 40% of the country right now, Ted, you know, like, but he didn't care because he right. stood there and right. he said, it's going to be big and I'm going to hold these reins and it's going to happen. And I think it's, uh, you know, there were lessons for me thinking about uh thinking back on, on those experiences that maybe I didn't, uh, connect the dots yet um, until until much later, but it's uh, there's there are things about founders that I think are really um, you know that you can learn a ton from, and I always tell entrepreneurs that it's a it's a good thing if you can get in with the right founders and the right brand and company.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and just to, just to, just to, just to respond to that, but like I think there's something about um, you know that entrepreneurial passion, right. Uh, and sort of believing it to your core and getting up in front of folks and having them see that and feel that in this very visceral way that there is no substitute for it. You know, and I, I, when I was kind of telling my story about, um, um, relating to that sense of purpose, right? I think it was something similar for me as well, where you kind of, you see it, you hear it, you want to be a part, whatever that thing is, I want to be a part of it. And you dream of the day when you as an entrepreneur have a chance to go do that as well. I mean, look, if, if you kind of come back now to the rum story, um, what are we trying to do here, right? Um, You know, everyone's sort of been on the tequila train and on the bourbon uh whiskey train for the last several years. A big part of this has to be uh, a little bit of the evangelism around, Uh, 10 to 1 certainly, but maybe even rum as a category, helps people to understand why they've been missing something this whole time. And if you can't sort of get up, um, whether it's standing on a stage or walking into a bar or hosting an event and make people feel that, in some in some visceral way that they want to be a part of, then you're missing a big part of the founders calling a part of that opportunity so so yes, I think so much of what you learn um you know these points of inspiration aren't quantitative they aren't building about, they aren't about building an excel spreadsheet per se it's some of the finer points of of telling that story and sharing that passion and and, and cultivating sort of a collective sense around you that I think makes all the difference as you as you move forward
0: totally agree so how do you do that I mean you are reinvigorating a category. Yes, there are other rums uh, that are out there, but you are really saying, here is the base level for rum. We're going to take it up a few notches. And like, how do you get people to really understand that? Of of course, they, they can taste the difference, but even before you get them to taste it, how do you get them to want to do that? I mean, maybe they're inspired. There's a visual too about the Caribbean that is definitely people have in their head. That's nice. But I I feel like you're almost creating a new category, a category within a category, I guess a step up in, in the overall category. I don't know. I'd love to hear kind of how you do that. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, absolutely, and, and, and listen, it's 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 uh it's not an easy feat, right? As we say, you know, all of these entrepreneurial forays are by, uh, by definition difficult, right? So so maybe there isn't an easy answer, but I would say that we kind of lean on three things, right? So 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 liquid brand, and then the community that's a part of that, right? Um, you know, I already touched on the liquid piece; so I won't belabor it too much, but I think having a very differentiated perspective on how and where the liquid um, um sort of comes to be that exceptional craft. You know, we, we are the most awarded rum in the country today, but by a very long way. And so really kind of building that credential, um, creating something that people can find multiple applications for. A big part of the issue with rum is a lot of folks don't even know how to drink it, right? And and that's mm-hmm. that's crazy because you would never say that about a tequila or a vodka. Everyone knows what their favorite tequila cocktail or even whiskey cocktail is. There's a lot of that education we have to do around that and kind of giving you the range from a versatility perspective. And then, of course, the clean element I mentioned before. So we always say that we are liquid first, building that credibility, building that versatility. Any opportunity you give me to create a liquid to lips moment for consumers, I'm going to take it because everyone who tries Cento One falls in love with the product, right? I, 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 I I just have to get you there to try it. That liquid to lips moment is super, super critical. So that's one. Um, two, I think with the brand and, and I think brand and maybe community are related here a little bit, but with the brand, I think, um, you know, we can all think about some of the brands that are able to kind of, um, capture our hearts and minds. What is it about that brand? What do they stand for? Um, what the, what, 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 what values does it espouse that, that I think sort of resonate with me on an individual level? And there, I think, we have tried to set 10 to one apart, I think, uh, versus maybe some of the other um, incumbents in the rum category who I think have a, and not not to be critical, but I think have a, a slightly sort of the world mentality or, or, or sort of um, articulation of their brand promise. I think a lot of what we do kind of speaks to, you know, listen, if you value walking your own path, creating something new, a sense of exploration and discovery, if you view yourself as a creator, or a creator of culture in many ways. Those are some of the attributes that 10 to 1 uh, continually espouses that are going to resonate with you. You're going to kind of see something there. And I think that might drive its own interest to come into the, the world that is 10 to 1 and give it a try for the first time. And now, once you come into that world we're very intentional about building community around it, right? It shouldn't be like, mm-hmm. this is the first time you come in and you have a old fashion and then you sort of leave again. Um, but what is that collective that you suddenly feel that you're a part of? And so we do a ton around creating community and that, whether that's virtual on Instagram or, you know, IRL in, in, in markets like New York and Atlanta and Seattle, I think a big part of it is, oh yeah, right. I see that there is a, there's a bit of a collective forming here of people who, again, they sort of, uh, and, and, and they don't all look the same or sound the same or from the same place. It's, I think it's much more of a, a psychographic and much more of a mindset. But I think we've really kind of invested in, cultivating that community from the earliest days of 10 to 1. Uh, And and those same people, I think, in many ways, end up becoming the biggest evangelists uh, and the biggest propagators of what it is you're offering beyond what you yourself can do sitting down at a desk in HQ, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, I think it absolutely does. The other uh, piece that I noticed was that you partnered with somebody who's pretty high profile. I think that seems to really help, especially in the spirits category. But can you talk a little bit about who you've partnered with?
1: Yeah, of course, of course. So so just about two years ago now, um, October of 2021, it's crazy how time flies, by the way, um, we announced uh, uh, having a, a partnership with Sierra um, the, the dynamic, incredible, multi-hyphenate singer, actor, entertainer, um, or all, all things. Um, you know, so we've been really proud to have her as an investor and a co-owner of the business over the last couple of years. You know, when people ask me sort of how that came to be, I thought about a couple of things. Number one is a very organic introduction. You know, we, we have a bunch of mutual friends, uh, fr- from my time living in Seattle, funny enough. And, um, you know, Sierra was uh, curious about the spirits category and looking to do something, I think, meaningful and impactful in and around it. Um, a, a friend of a friend of ours sent her some rum uh, to, to, to to try for a little moment of celebration that she was having. She loved the product, was curious about it. Uh, we got connected through that, and then and then off the back of a series of conversations, we found that it actually would make sense to have her uh, join the brand as an investor and as a co-owner. So came about again. You know, it's funny, right? And I I know you would know this as well from your own journey. It's so many of these things, you try to be super planful about them, um, but, but, but all the best laid plans get thrown out the window, right? I think there's a lot of serendipity that comes with these things. What you have to do as an entrepreneur is always sort of put yourself in that be ready mode because you never know when that next introduction, next conversation. I've, I've had investors who are, um, in the brand who I met just by standing at the bar and offering them some 10 to 1 that uh, they might try. Hey, have you, have you had this run before? You wanna, you, can, can I buy you an old fashioned? Fall in love with the product, and next thing you know, they're one of your biggest investors in the brand. Um, and I think the Sierra story is similar to that, with a certain level of serendipity that's kind of tied to it. Um, she is very, uh, she has a lot of the elements uh, in her own character. That I think are emblematic of 10 to 1. Um, this, 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 this joie de vivre, this love of life, this kind of very open and welcoming energy. Um, um, we talk about a brand that's elevated and not exclusive, right? Like the ability to kind of do high and low very well and showcase that range. Sierra has a ton of range. And so there were lots of elements of her personality and her brand that we thought were a good fit here. And ultimately, again, yeah, we're happy to welcome her on board just about two years ago now
0: she's I think she's a great partner for you so I I was really excited to when I was doing the research on your company read a little bit more about her so that's that's awesome what is the most difficult part of building a spirits company
1: (laughs) we could do we could do a full podcast just on that question you know I give you three hours of answers if you want um well, no, I think, I think the most difficult part of building a spirits brand is um, if you think about the, the regulation that surrounds spirits. And so some folks may be familiar with the idea of the three-tier distribution system, right? So the three tiers are, I'm a supplier, I'm a brand. There's a distributor who moves product from A to B. And then there's a, an, a retailer. So a restaurant or bar, or liquor store, wherever you encounter 10 to 1 in the wild that all gets to you, the customer, right? So it's kind of three tiers from, from, from me to you, the end consumer. And the thing that's challenging about spirits versus anything else that my friends are doing in, in and around consumer, so many of them today are doing D2C, right? So you can build a direct path to that, to that customer, right? Um, you love what I'm selling whether I set up a storefront in Soho or I build an e-commerce site on .com, right? There's the, there's that, that action and reaction is, is is far more closely sort of intertwined. In spirits, you know, um, I'm hoping folks who listen to this podcast are going to walk into their nearest restaurant or bar and, and order a rumble fashion or a classic daiquiri with 10 to 1. But, but that bartender from your neighborhood bar is not going to call me up and tell me that you ordered or tell me what you had, or tell me what you liked, or what have you. And so there's 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 more opacity in the system than I think there are for a lot of other consumer brands. And, and, and even sort of the friction at the distributor level, which is all about how you get your product into market. Um, you know, ultimately, I, I always kind of talk to my team about the whole uh, if a tree falls in the woods problem, right? Like you're going to go take an action, put together an event, tell a story. You want to create a a vessel or an opportunity for someone to take action against that. I want you to be able to walk into that restaurant or bar and want to to want to pick up a bottle off the shelf. And so, and so uh, the way I, I, liken it to um, trying to uh, trying to satisfy three different customers simultaneously, right? you got to get the distributor on your side to move product on your behalf, um, which is, which is challenging to do. Most, most brands will tell you um, you got to get the folks at the retail level engaged with your brand, that bartender, uh, that friendly neighborhood bartender at your top restaurant, craft Cocktail, Spark, Mission and Star restaurant, I want them recommending 10 to 1 to you and you ask sort of what's new and unique and interesting to try in Rome or outside of Rome. And then I got to get you, the end consumer, to also be, uh, I think, intrigued and excited by the possibility of ten to one. Bring that curiosity to life, or that desire to trial. Once you try it, I know you're not going back. Um, but that's what I got to make happen. And so you're 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 consistently sort of balancing those different pedals, if you will, um, with those three different customers to get you to the end result that you seek with with a category like 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 rum or spirits and the whole.
0: Has anything surprised you? I, I remember early on in starting Hint, uh, when we were building the brand, I'm trying to develop a product that doesn't have sweeteners in it; that it just has the fruit and you know, great tasting without all of the uh, sweet taste in it. And I remember the first week of getting our product on the shelf at Whole Foods, that I heard from a gentleman who thanked me for creating this product because he had this uh, disease called type 2 diabetes. And he said, you know, I'm a big runner. I don't even know why I have this. Uh, And you know, this is almost 20 years ago now where we didn't really know as much as we know uh, today about type 2 diabetes. But he said, I've never felt like I could pick up a drink that everyone else Many people who don't have type 2 diabetes can drink too, and I feel normal. So thank you for making me feel normal. Mm-hmm. And I remember I still have that letter, and I remember how powerful that was because I thought if I can actually do something to help someone in some way uh, by building a brand, that's a an that's a amazing feeling. And I always share, by the way, with friends of mine who have never written uh, notes to Founders or CEOs of companies, I'm like you should. If the if something really changes you in some way and you admire it, write it because you never know what kind of day they're having if they're dealing with a distribution or a production issue or whatever it is. And you know those yeah. notes keep you going. So yeah,
1: I I couldn't I, I couldn't agree more uh, more uh, more wholeheartedly. You know, and by the way. There's always something going on. If it's a distributor, it's production, it's team. It's it's, it's probably uh, any day of the week that you receive that letter, right? It's going to lift your spirits because, again, you know, this entrepreneurial journey is, is not for the faint of heart. Um, you know, what you said there resonates so much. I think, um, I guess sort of what surprised me and what keeps me going are slightly different things. But but I think... Um, you know what? What surprised me the most is I think how how tactile and how hands on of a business this is, and and, and 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 you know I I mean that quite literally. I'm on the road two thirds of the time, um, market to market, city to city, <laughs> restaurant to restaurant, or bar to bar. Sometimes um, trying to build those relationships with with folks in the trade, those bartenders, uh, bar managers, mixologists, doing press, uh, doing doing community events. I mean it's 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 it's, it's very much a Roll up your sleeves, very tactile, very hands-on business. And I, I might say that out loud and somebody might hear that, but to, to hear it and experience it uh, are two different things. And so I think there's a level of willingness to roll up your sleeves here that, that I think is kind of non-negotiable. Um, doesn't matter who's invested in your brand or how sexy it is or any of those things. Um, that certainly, um, I've steeled myself. And I think it's a, it's a big part of the resolve that has really set 10 to, to 1 apart. Um, what, what sort of, um, Keeps me going. It, it's very similar to what you just said. I think a lot about what I would love to do when it's all said and done. And I think you know people build businesses for for different reasons, um, but for me, it's important to create something that matters to other people, right? Um, and that's not a given. There's lots of examples of businesses that you can create that don't really matter, right? They're just you know a chance to make a bunch of money or do whatever it is. The first time you walk into a bar, and somebody who you don't know, who's not your friend or family, you see them just make a beeline for the bottle and an order 10 to 1 uh, is, is, is an incredible moment, right? And to hear them uh, talk about it with their friends and tell their friends why they love the brand and why they should be a part of that collective is an amazing moment for the brand. Um, You know, being stopped on the street, similar to the story that you just kind of mentioned, um, folks who maybe um, are of Caribbean heritage or, or aren't, but who would just say how much they appreciate what we've aspired to do in the category, to shine a light on culture in a more contemporary way, in a more authentic way, in a more inspirational fashion. And and, and what they have taken from that, whether it's on their own entrepreneurial journey, or maybe even just in their own lives in general, to me is really one of the more gratifying pieces of this experience. And so you're right, it, it almost feels like the universe designs it so that those moments happen uh when you're at your kind of your 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 ebbs, right? Your sort of toughest spots to kind of remind you that this thing does matter and you can and you should keep going. And there are people who are taking notice and you're doing it for more than just yourself. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, that's been a, a constant, I would say, over the course of the last four years or so that I've had the
0: brand. So best advice for founders or someone thinking about starting a company, uh, what would you say to somebody uh, who says, hey, Mark, I'm, I'm thinking of starting a company and got this idea. Uh, what, what do you think they need to know?
1: Um, a, a, a a few different things, but I would say that, um, um, one authenticity really makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there, there there's certain words that I think get used so much in the everyday sort of, um, you know, kind of, kind of zeitgeist and they, and they end up feeling a little bit like throwaway words and maybe authenticity is used a ton today, but, but, but it really is true. Um, you know, we live in a world today where consumers have a ton of choice. There's a million other things they can choose besides your product. Um, they want to understand not just sort of what it is and why it's delicious, but who created it, why they created it, maybe even what they stand for. I think that like, in a lot of ways, being able to articulate those things, being able to kind of pull back the curtain, um, um, share that passion, very directly and very authentically, again, I think really makes a difference. So um, I, I, I think it's hard to just sort of go opportunistically chase someone that you don't believe in. So I would kind of start by figuring out like what you can represent authentically. I think related to that, you're trying to figure out what you can be the best in the world at. And and that was a piece of advice that I had gotten years ago. And I think I, I, I misinterpreted it when I first heard it. I was like, oh, I, I had a sports startup at the time. Okay, great. Well, I love sports. I, I, I know sports. Let me try to build the best sports startup in the world. And it, it isn't actually as broad as that. It's really sort of what unique perspective, what finer point can you bring to a category? Lots of other folks will come out and, and have created rums and will create rums long after 10 to 1. So I'm not talking about creating the best rum in the world in a vacuum. But 10-to-1 has a very unique perspective on culture, on the liquid, on the storytelling, on the positioning that, that I think that, that I and we are uniquely qualified to tell. You're not gonna see a 10-to-one clone out there in the universe because there is a there is a there is a, a way in here that I and we can be the best in the world at. And I think you need to kind of figure out what that version um, of 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 a of a new idea, uh a new business venture can be for you. And the last thing I would say, number three, is um, persistence, 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 right? I think, um, again, in today's culture, we love to kind of make these posts to children of overnight success, right? And, 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 and when the, when the, the bio is read or the story is written, it all sounds so easy, you know, went to this school and went to, had this job and met this person and had their dream investor. And then two years later or four years later, ta-da, like a billion dollars. And that is, very rarely, if ever, 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 the case. Um, and you just have to be prepared to keep on running through walls. Um, something doesn't exist, not because the rest of the world is stupid. It's actually probably because, you know, they haven't seen it quite the way you've seen it and because doing that thing is hard. Yep. And acknowledging it's hard and being willing to run through walls and get up every day and keep on pushing through and pushing through and pushing through, uh, to me, is table stakes for any entrepreneur who wants to see that success at, at, at the end of the day. So those would be kind of my my three points of advice for anybody looking to, looking to get started.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, thanks for all of that. But also just thanks for coming on and sharing the story. And uh, 10 to 1 rum, everyone needs to give it a try. Go to your stores, go to restaurants and start requesting it in bars as well. And uh, we'll have all the info in the show notes too, how to get your hands on it. But Mark, thank you again. And thanks everyone for listening. Such a
1: pleasure. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks again for listening to The Kara Golden Show. If you would, please give us a review and feel free to share this podcast with others who would benefit. And of course, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of our podcast. Just a reminder that I can be found on all platforms at Kara Golden. And if you want to hear more about my journey, I hope you will have a listen or pick up a copy of my book, Undaunted, which I share my journey, including founding and building Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a great rest of the week and 2023, and goodbye for now. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Thanks for listening.